Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by two NFL drafts. Analysts Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap at Rise and Draft at Alex Gilstrap on Twitter. Folks, thanks for tuning in to today's episode as we are diving into the Edge class, which is a very interesting and talented group with some fun names at the top that we will get into to discussing. Now, I want to take a quick sec. I don't want to get into the backstory on it but ryan i you know just take a quick second to promote the site that is officially launched on today when we're recording this on august 1st i know that the promotion hasn't been where you've wanted it to and we don't need to waste our time talking about that but where can people find the new site that has a ton of great nfl draft content well i would say if if you obviously if you are listening to this on a tuesday i hope that my twitter problems have been remedied at that point but you can always no matter what's happening in my twitterverse world you can always visit <laughs> riseanddraft.com where we have well over 100 scouting reports and a couple feature pieces a prospect database uh podcasts anything you need for the nfl draft it's already on there and we just launched uh, Today is a Sunday that we're recording this, so we just launched today. Fantastic content. Please go check out RiseAndDraft.com. Thanks for that plug, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. This is, I mean, technically it's now the official podcast of the uh, of RiseAndDraft.com. You know, there's nowhere else that we would be plugging, you know, other website. And it's where everyone can find Ryan's great content. You can also find Alex's great content. When it comes. Um, yeah, when it when it comes, it should be coming soon. But <laughs> but before we get to talking about this edge class and getting to what is on our agenda for this week's episode, I need to tell you folks very quickly about Bet Online. Things are starting to heat up in the MLB. It's the big poppin' sport right now. The summer's coming to a close. We're already in August, which means we're in the final home stretch for professional baseball. So maybe you have a hunch on who you think is going to make it or win the World Series. Put a futures bet in and do it at Bet Online. And if you're going to be betting sports, Bet Online is where you should go to win some money today. Whether it is live bets during games or futures for who you think will win a championship, Bet Online has all of the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit their website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, guys, we've got a lot of fun conversations to have today with this edge class. So it was a little bit more dull with the defensive line because it was basically 
okay, this group sucks. There's one good dude, and then maybe we can make some conversations for some day two guys. That's not going to be the case for this edge class. This is coming off of last year when it was a bit underwhelming. It was Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau going in the first round, and it wasn't really like an elite guy at the top that we knew was going to be worthy of a top five pick. Here we are now, though, Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive lineman, edge rusher from Oregon, who right now very clearly appears to be an elite player along the lines of like a Miles Garrett, Jadeveon Clowney, Chase Young. Is that too crazy to say, or does that make sense that this is how this class looks? Is Kayvon at the top and then some other talented guys that could mix in in the first round? Yeah, I think it's an extremely talented group overall. I wouldn't even say that it's necessarily just Kayvon and then we're going to figure out what the next tier is. I think that there are guys that are going to fight for that top tier. I think there are several guys, and I think that there's outstanding depth. I mean, this class, and I, I we talked about it a little bit last week, the argument could be made, you know, oh, what's the second best tier of class? The safeties, cornerbacks, interior offensive line, already fantastic, all, all fantastic classes. Defensive end, edge, three, four outside linebackers. This is the best class. If you need a pass rusher to come off the edge, win the outside track, convert speed to power, like there is a guy for everyone. We're going to talk about a lot of guys that are traditional four, three defensive ends, but I know I at least am going to talk about a couple of guys that are your three, four stand-up rushers. And I think there is a body type for everyone. I think there's impact for everyone. I think that this is a superb class that is right now in preseason, of course, it is the head and shoulders best position group of the 2022 class, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you said it best, the versatility that this class has. There's so many guys I can plug in so many different ways. And I didn't get to watch everybody uh, this week just with with my workload uh, in the day job. But there's there's names that I'm familiar with that I didn't get to watch that you talk about day two talent, the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world. Britton Cox Jr. out of Florida is someone that uh, has been a riser since he transferred uh, to Florida, my Jay San- Sanders from Cincinnati, someone that has some fans that I think is is well in that uh, day two range. So there's there's plenty of names, and we'll talk about some more guys uh, throughout this episode. Um, you have a couple guys, you have a few guys up there at the top. Some people have three uh, three guys that they believe are secure first round guys, and then there's definitely a big lump of of day two guys that you could really have them in a a number of of different orders and in in different grades and, and I couldn't argue with you too much. So I, I agree with you. There's guys at the top you really like, top 10, top 20 talent. And then uh as far as depth, top 100 talent, this is going to be one of the better position groups in the 2022 class. So we always love to start these position group discussions with the highest upside player. And we when we talk about upside, we talk about a guy who hasn't reached his full potential yet, but once he does, he has the potential and possibility of becoming an elite player at his position in the NFL. So we've already talked about Kayvon Thibodeau. And Ryan, you picked him as your high upside guy. And Alex, we're going to get to you in a second, but I'm really interested that there was some deliberation here and that you also didn't go with Kayvon. Yeah, I mean, Kayvon is the easy answer. I just I feel like every episode we talk about the same guy in this category because there's there's typically <laughs> there's typically just one guy up top the rest of the group as far as the position, and that's usually the highest upside guy. That's the guy we think uh, is a top ten worthy, top fifteen worthy guy who we've talked about week in and week out at each position group. So I just wanted to bring a different flavor myself. Um, so I went Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. 
Um, Zach Harrison is, you know, someone that in that, you know, five-star recruit, someone that has a lot of, a lot of fans. I mean, six foot six, just under six foot six, 265, 270 pounds. He's got that prototypical build, but his length is ridiculous. His wingspan is ridiculous. You know, giant hands. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of explosiveness to him as an athlete. And I think he's, he's a super strong athlete. He just needs to learn how to use his hands. I, I think right now he's, he's, playing as if he is bigger, faster, stronger, like he was in high school as that five-star recruit going through, um, you know, the, the, the high school years. And, and that transition has been a little bit tougher for him. But you see you see what makes him that five-star recruit coming out of high school and what makes him so promising as a prospect because you, you, the flashes you get uh, with Zach Harrison, someone who has had production in his first two years – uh, at Ohio State and someone that's supposed to take a big step forward this year. I, I, I think this is someone that may not be a finished product, and he definitely isn't because he's super raw from a technical standpoint. But this is someone, if he learns how to put it together a little bit more, uh, this is someone that could push for first-round consideration. Yeah, and we've gone from Joey Bosa to Nick Bosa to Chase Young, and now Zach Harrison would be the presumed next guy. I know some people like Tyreek Smith as well, which I know Alex is going to talk about at some point here, but he is what seems to be the next in line. If I can, I would like to just briefly touch on Kayvon. I, I know everybody knows Thibodeau at this point, right? Like he's been a guy that has dominated college football over the last year and a half. I'm, I'm going to say a half just because he only played in, I think, four football games this year, five football games, obviously, with the Pac-12 being a little more abbreviated. But the reason I picked him as my high upside was because when I sat down and watched him, you know, for the first time and, and really dissected the film, I had an assumption in my mind, and this is the scouting bias we talk about sometimes, where I expected this just super explosive bendy edge rusher who is a premier pass rusher and maybe needs some help work in the run game because he's a little bit of a sleeker, lighter build. And I didn't get that. I, I didn't get that at all. I mean, you, you get the explosiveness, you get the flexibility, that stuff's all there, but my man has no idea what he's doing as a pass rusher right, right now, which makes it even more impressive. This kid could get so much better because he does not have moves in his arsenal. He is literally a speed Tech power outside track converter. That's how he wins football games. And if he is ability to add some nuance to his game, add some finesse to his game, get his hands involved, get hit an inside swim, hit a hit a club rip, hit something, get the ghost technique out. There's a lot of upside to Kayvon Thibodeau. And then the thing that surprised me most is there's a really good baseline because usually you see guys like this might be a little bit of a boomer bust. My guy's a dog in the run game incredibly physical at the point of attack has long arms to get extension at the point. And he has incredible motor and speed to in pursuit from the backside. So I think that there's a substantial four for Kayvon, but the thing that it really gets me excited is there is so much more that he can do as a nuanced football player. There is, there has been no development in his game just because he's always been the bigger, faster and more athletic than everybody that's tried to block him. And then when he is able to unlock unlock those hands and unlock those rush moves. I think we're talking double digit sack, high volume sack going to the next level. It's a slam dunk for Kayvon. No, with you hundred percent Kayvon's like you said, that's exactly how I was. I went in thinking I, I, I knew his frame from watching him live a little bit and seeing highlights. Like 
I knew he was a tall, long frame that was maybe a little slender for his for his height and his length. But so I was expecting this, like you said, athletic pass rusher that's going to get to the quarterback. But as a run defender, he's just going to be a guy, and and that was not the case. I, I actually feel like, and I'm willing to say, I think right now he's a better run defender than he is pass rusher, and that's that's crazy wow. to think about because of how good of a pass rusher he is. I mean, this guy really does. He knows how to use his length, like you said, Ryan. Uh, to to be able to extend at the point of attack and then work a two gap, you know, and, and get to the edge and, and work off the blocker there uh, on the edge. And then as a pass rusher, he's still working to figure out exactly all the different ways he can get to the quarterback. But with his athleticism, his length, I mean, he has, like you said, a baseline uh, of traits that's really, really intriguing and, and, I mean, warrants a top 10 pick easily. I mean, this is someone that I think come April, you know, we talked about, Guys, last year, this time last year, uh, you know, Aziz Ojolari was someone I really liked as a high upside guy who became first round consideration. Uh, but we talked about uh, Greg Russo and, and some of these guys, and I see a lot more already as a baseline today. And I think there's so much room to grow, like you said, as far as a pass rusher. So now we want to get into the the conversation point that is the complete opposite of what we just discussed so one of our more jovial conversations and the guys that we bring up we're hoping that they don't end up living up to these expectations but now's the time for our biggest bum category this week named after Quincy Roche who notoriously last cycle by some outlets was revered as a first round prospect ends up going in the sixth round you know how it is with guys like that uh, not really living up to the expectation so as we're going with this, guys who are getting hyped up way too much early on and don't really live up to the hype that they're getting once draft time actually comes around because teams are going to have a way different opinion of them. So Ryan, I want to get to your guy first. Allie Gay from LSU. Why did you pick him as your biggest bum? Well, I, I, I had seen a lot of people talk about Allie Gay because he is... All of six foot six, two hundred and sixty plus pounds, with long arms. He certainly looks the looks the you know looks the part to say the least. And then you get the NFS grades, you get the Blesto grades, and you see that the NFL also has pretty high opinions of what Ali Gay is. And he was a guy that is just coming off of one year as a starter at LSU, was a junior college guy, and. I was very underwhelmed with the athlete that Ali Gay is. I think that he has length for days. I think he can win some outside track at points because he can just out leverage guys because he just has a far reach working to the outside. But I am missing a ton of power. I think he has a little bit of inside counter, but I, I just don't think he's a very explosive football player winning in winning in a you know, linear sense. I don't think and in the worst part of his game, in my opinion, is I saw a couple plays where he had to redirect quickly and trying to change direction in space. And I understand that there is going to be sublimitations to being 6'6 and being high-waisted, but my guy looked painful changing directions. And I think that kind of comes up as a pass rusher as well. I think when he redirects, it's not pretty. I think he's pretty stiff in his lower half. I don't think there's a ton of bend to him. So I think he's more of a looks-like-Tarzan, plays-like-Jane type of player. I think that there is some redeeming qualities as far as the size and the length and all that good stuff. But like, I just don't see him being a high volume sack guy. Cause I don't see him win with any finesse or any vertical push, any bend. And then I also don't think that he's the most powerful guy in the world. So I'm just kind of missing it on where Ali Gay is going to win at the next level. 
Yeah, I didn't watch too much of Gabe, but I did watch one game before I kind of knew he wasn't going to reach my top five and kind of stop watching. Um, so I'm kind of with you there. I didn't really see anything. I saw someone that against the run was just the guy. He, he was inconsistent in that realm, and and I didn't. I just didn't see the athleticism. It didn't pop off to me after one game, so I just stopped watching. So I, I see a lot of the things that you see uh, from a lack of juice standpoint. So you've got a pretty controversial one here, yeah. Alex, because this is a – this is a name that's getting a ton of hype right now that's top three conversation, early draft pick. And not to be confused with the Kentucky center, Drake Jackson, the Drake Jackson from the University of Southern California, which is in my backyard over here. So what? I got to know, why, why are you not a fan? Well, first of all, let's talk about how much he's being hyped up and you know, like you said, there's some people that – a lot of people see him as a first-round caliber edge rusher. A lot of people see him as someone that can threaten Kayvon Thibodeau as the number one edge rusher. I heard it – you know, I, I don't want to say that he's wrong or anything, but Kyle Krabs of, of the Draft Network went on to say that if there's anyone to, to push for edge one outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, he thinks it's Drake Jackson. And I listened to what he had to say, and I just don't see the same things, quite simply. Um, what I see is someone that – doesn't do anything against the run. He gets pushed off his spot consistently. And as a pass rusher, you know, he, he rushes from that wide nine alignment, you know, out on the edge, you know, two-point stands upright. And I just don't see someone that consistently puts it together. I see someone that just runs into the chest and, you know, gives his chest to the offensive tackle and just doesn't know what to do after that. He gets stuck. Uh, and I just – I don't see the quite the athlete that, that some people revere that he is. Um, so, for me, this is someone that I just – I'm hesitant on him just because, and much like Joe Tryon, he's billed as this athlete that's supposed to win with athleticism, and I just don't really see that too much. Uh, and I know Joe Tryon was a joke all of last year, you know, with with my standpoint on him. And Drake Jackson, you know, much like Joe Tryon, who got selected in the first round, Drake, Drax, Drake Jackson is someone that's talked about as being that first-round guy. And I just I, – I hear the things that people like, that people like, you know, he, he – he, he checks all the boxes is what I hear. He check, you know, he, he has the athleticism. He has the, the, uh, the, the run defense. I don't, I don't get that one at all. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of all over the place with this, but Drake Jackson simply is just not a guy that I just see a lot with, uh, as more than a rotational pass rusher. This is someone that play in and play out. I just see a guy that runs into the chest of the offensive tackle. And that's, that's the end of the rep. So I, I'm just missing it a little bit with him as far as the upside that some people talk about, and I'm just going to be lower on him. I just know it. Well, I, I think that there so, are some redeeming qualities to a guy like Drake Jackson. I, I think that from a size component, he kind of fits that mold as that true 4-3 defensive end and the dirt type of player. I just think he's a pretty good athlete too. I think he's somewhat loose. Like I, I don't think he's mm. – elite or anything in any category, but I think he's good in multiple areas. I think the thing that really stunts him is I, I really think USC uses him terribly. They, they run that odd man front. So he's playing more of like a three, four outside linebacker role. And I just don't think that's him, man. Like I, I don't see him ever coming from depth. Like I think he's a guy that needs to be in attack mode. Cause I do think there is some looseness to him. There is some upside as a pass rusher. But I think that USC just really kind of clouds the, the projection for him a little bit, and they ask him to do all the wrong things. So I'm with you, though. As far as, like, first round goes, I'm out on that right now. He, for me, he's a day-two pass rusher that might have some upside, but I just I don't see it with him at the present moment. No, that's it's so funny you say that. I, 
some of my favorite reps of his was as you know running that three four and dropping back into coverage. I thought he played press uh, on a tight end a couple of times in a couple of the games I watched where he bullied guys at the point of attack, and I thought he actually moved pretty well in space. So that was actually one green spot, you know, for lack of a better term. I can't think of what I'm trying to say. That was one spot that I actually kind of liked. So maybe I. But again, like I said, I just don't see where he gets a lot of wins from that alignment. So you're talking about someone that I feel like some of his best reps, I mean, of course he has some good pass rushing reps at times. There's just a lack of consistency, which is my problem. But a lot of the times I saw some of my favorite plays were him as that three, four outside linebacker in coverage of some sort. So uh, yeah, he's just an interesting evaluation that I'm just, I just don't see that translatable thing about him uh, that, that where I feel like he can stick as like, a set you you talked about a four three defensive end. I just don't see how he can find enough consistency to be a productive pass rusher at a four three alignment right now. So changing direction now and heading on over to the opposite side of things, a, a riser, a guy that we think throughout the cycle and after the season could find themselves in a significantly higher draft slot than they're currently being projected or discussed about. And the other way you can look at this is guys that just aren't getting talked up enough. And this week's riser watch list is named after Jalen Phillips, who last cycle was getting some buzz, but people weren't really sure where he might fit because of some injury issues in his past with some concussions. However, he ends up being the first edge taken off the board in last year's class for this year. Ryan, you went with a guy from South Carolina, Kingsley Eng. I am not even. I can't pronounce that last name. How do you pronounce it, Ryan? You're the king of pronunciation here. It's Kingsley Enigbare. Enigbare. Got to remember that one. So why'd you pick him? Yeah. So I just watched Kingsley actually uh, two days ago uh, in depth and. I had a lot of mixed feelings on him. So I had to kind of let my ideas kind of stew a little bit. And I had to come back to him a little bit because if you told me a few years from now that Kingsley Enigbare is a high volume sack guy at the next level, getting eight to 12 sacks a season, I can see it because I think when we're talking about just athleticism, I think this kid has juice, like absolute, like there are some reps the first game I watched was Vanderbilt, and I mean, there was one rep he had a he has a nice get off, but the the thing that really just I, I mean that really kind of spit in me for a couple minutes was I think the vertical speed you know the vertical push is fantastic. I think he's a a really nice linear athlete, but I think sometimes when we talk about transitional quickness, and I put this on Twitter, transitional quickness, people think like oh a a, a, a cornerbacks. In his back pedal, he's getting in and out of out of his pedal, and he's changing direction quickly. Like that's transitional quickness. I think there's transitional quickness for defensive ends too. And I will talk about this a little bit. I think that when you hit the arc, there is a angle that you need to change, and you need to you know lower your level. You need to get on that 45, and you need to run that arc, and that is changing your body's alignment and your configuration and the ability to use that momentum. And not lose it as you're changing the 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 um the 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 uh, I'm trying I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm losing my words here. When you're trying to change your level <laughs> and you're changing the 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 angle of your body and the ability to maintain that momentum and run that arc 
with the speed that you were able to create, that momentum you're able to create, I think is a pretty rare thing, to be honest. And I think Kingsley Anabari has that. And he left this kid just, you know, just hoping that he could somehow get out of recovery mode and beat him up the arc. And then he finishes with a strip sack. And I see that littered all over his film. And I think that he is one of the best outside track rushers, the best athletes at the position. The problem is, and why I gave him a fourth round grade, is because in the run game, he's terrible. He's one of the worst I've seen. Like he is, he is like working gap to gap. He has some slipperiness to him, but like when he's trying to hold the point of attack, like my guy gets ragdolled sometimes. He ends up on the ground way too often. So I'm struggling with Kings Kingsley and Abare because I see the high volume sack potential, but then I see the floor that he might not be a player that you can get on the football field on running downs. And that is a wow. big chasm. That is a big yeah. kind of window of success to failure. But in the in, in why I picked him for this is the fact of like, hey, if he shows just good, impro- like moderate improvements in the run game, if he is just an average run defender, I think the pass rush upside is very tantalizing. I think that this kid could go in the first round when all is said and done because I think that he has that impact as a pass rusher. Just right now, I would be uneasy drafting him anywhere until maybe the third or fourth round. I put a fourth round grade on him just because I think that the floor is so low comparative to what the ceiling is. But if he hits anywhere near that ceiling as a run defender comparative to his pass rush reps, I think we have, I don't want to say special, but I think we have something that, that you know, we're cooking with grease a little bit with a guy like Enigbare. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head from a range of outcome standpoint. What you could get at the next level for Kingsley is – like you said, a high volume sack guy, or you're going to get someone you can't even put on the field because, like you said, and I was I was going to touch on that before you did, but against the run, that's my problem with him. Uh, he just doesn't offer anything as it currently stands to where you can feel comfortable playing him on early downs. So that right now, if you're you're to project it to the NFL based on what you know now and what he is uh, through the 2020 tape, is a rotational pass rusher that's going to play on sure passing downs on third and longs and on second and longs where you, you can feel comfortable knowing that his his impact is going to be is going to be positive because if if there's any way there's a running uh, a running play he's just a liability at that at that point. So Kingsley Anigbare, this is someone that has a lot of length, super good get off and, and explosiveness as an athlete. He he threatens the outside track so so well that he can win inside because he can get he can get those tackles to overset and can take advantage of that that leverage uh, as far as positioning. So uh, I think as a pass rusher, he has a lot. I mean, he had some ridiculous pass rush performances, especially in 2020 where he he blew up this past year. So you like you said, just got to improve on the running stuff, the run game stuff. And if he can show, like you said, moderate improvement, this is someone that's well in that day two category for me. All right, let's get into breaking down each other's top fives as we do to wrap up each episode you guys have very different lists for this position group which is I guess a testament to the unique play styles and then body types that you have for for these various pass rushers they're not all necessarily fitting one particular role Ryan for you you go Adam Anderson from Georgia and then Will McDonald from Iowa State Alex on the other hand has Zach Harrison from Ohio State, and Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. So since you guys are so different and far off from each other than you typically are, Ryan, I want to head to you first. I just want to hear your thoughts quickly on why you went with Anderson at four and McDonald at five, and then Alex, the same for you after Ryan. 
Yeah, I think for me, Adam Anderson and Will McDonald have similar profiles as far as size. Uh, there's a plethora of guys probably in this like three to six, seven range that are for me could be stand up rushers in a three, four system. And I think that that is Adam Anderson and that is Will McDonald. Now, why I like Adam Anderson a little more than Will is just because we, we talk about trying to find special reps on film. There is plenty of special when you watch Adam Anderson. He has some insane get off, some insane bend, and some insane, insane linear explosion. He transitions an arc with absolute ease. He might be the best pure speed rusher in this class overall. The problem is, is that Adam Anderson hasn't played enough. Like, you just haven't seen it enough. It's in a very limited sample size. He isn't a guy that you're going to say is a plus run defender right now just because you haven't seen it. He was literally a designated pass rusher for Georgia because they have guys like Aziz Ojolari and they like playing Malik Herring kind of as a bigger outside rusher and they have other guys like Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson who transferred to Florida State this offseason. So it was just a very crowded room. Luckily, two of those three guys I just mentioned, uh, speaking of Jermaine Johnson and Aziz Ojolari, are out the door this year. So in theory, Adam Anderson is due for a big bump in, in playing time this year. And I think that he has the potential here to be a big riser because I think that, that that speed rush and that flexibility is special stuff. And I have Will McDonald second. He's a little different. I, I think that he has a lot of those qualities as an outside track rusher. But the stuff that I love about him is he is insanely flexible working gap to gap. He sets some dudes up with some inside moves that are just, I mean, he has the guys like grasping for air, man. Like they just can't even touch this dude. And it's weird because Iowa State's the same way. They don't play him enough. He was kind of a guy that's that's in and out of the rotation a little bit, but he was still, I mean, he still led the Big 12 in sacks. He still had among the highest pressure rates in all of college football, but he didn't play a ton because Iowa State plays this this three three five defense where like are you putting this six foot four two hundred and thirty five two hundred forty pounds outside linebacker defensive end as a three down defensive lineman like he's not that guy where you're gonna play head up on a tackle all game he's gonna play inside shade he's not gonna play a four or four eye like that's not his game but as an outside track rusher I think he's got some special flexibility not quite the explosive athlete that Adam Anderson is but I think he's even more flexible working inside moves. So I, I really am a big fan of Will McDonald. I think he is another guy that I almost picked as the big riser because I think that just not enough people have seen Will McDonald from Iowa State yet. Yeah, I'd be one of those people. So uh, I don't know much about Will McDonald, <laughs> but Adam Anderson, I loved your assessment of him. Uh, like you said, just pure athleticism on that outside track. You don't see Ben like that very often. So, I mean, that's rare, rare bend. Uh, and explosiveness on that outside track. So Adam Anderson, like you said, is gonna should be due for for a higher snap count as he's only there with Trayvon Walker and Nolan Smith. That's going to be the big three in that Atlanta pass rush room this year, or Atlanta Georgia pass rush room this year. So <laughs> uh, sorry, all over the place. Uh, for me, like Joe said, I have the Ohio State guys at four and five back to back, and and both these guys are highly regarded going into this year. Zach Harrison, I I kind of touched on him when talking about the upside with him. Talked about the size, talked about the length, the strength, and he's productive. Like he's the more productive of the two Ohio State defenders. I'm going to be talking about. He ha- he had some high sack games uh, and high disruption rate games in 2020 and, and even in 2019 as a true freshman. So this is someone that 
I think I'm banking on the traits. I think he's kind of checks all the boxes from a physical profile and he's paired that with with good production to this point. I'm expecting him to continue to to get better as he has every single year at Ohio State. Uh, I want to touch a little bit more on Tyreek Smith, who I think kind of lives in the shadow of Zach Harrison coming into Ohio State same year. But of course, Zach Harrison was the five star. He was the top recruit. Tyreek Smith, the four star, still a great recruit, still a great uh, athlete at the position, just kind of has always been shadowed. And and especially because he hasn't put up the numbers like like Zach Harrison's been able to do. But don't let the numbers fool you. We talk about this on the NFL side of things. Um, you know, I know a couple years ago we're talking about Chase Young and people were talking about how he didn't have any sacks in this game and the Clemson game, I think it was, that we always talked about. And if you watch the film, you realize he had a lot more of an impact than than the zero sacks that you see in the box score. And I think that's very, very true with Tyreek Smith from Ohio State as well. I think one sack last year in the the abbreviated season. Um, But I see someone that's 6'3 and a half, 260. He's got a very, very dense build. I think he has a verified sub 4'7", if I'm not mistaken. So this is an athlete. This is someone that can move a little bit. He has good arm length, not quite the arm length of Zach Harrison, not quite the wingspan, not quite the hand size, but he's just a shade below Zach Harrison in every one of those categories. But I think against the run, this is a better player right now uh, than Zach Harrison. I think he does a good job of body positioning, knowing where to get to his spot and fill his gap. And I think he does a good job of keeping keeping his body clean. He uses his length a lot better than Zach Harrison. One of the things I talked about with Zach Harrison at the beginning of the show is he just needs to learn how to use his hands, use, know how to use his length. He has better length than Tyreek Smith, but I, I didn't know that until I looked at the numbers, the official numbers, because Tyreek Smith uses that length that he does have uh, much better than Harrison to this point. And I think that's a testament, you know, that shows up in the run game. But as a pass rusher, this is someone that, he can he can hit the outside track like like you talked about with Adam Anderson a little bit, but I think he's he's really really special with his hands at times where he can get himself free and I think you have a relentless motor paired with his ability to get free. This is someone that's constantly constantly in the backfield every single play. So I think from a film perspective, right now I think Tyreek Smith is a better player than Zach Harrison. But I think if you're talking about the projection to the next level. Uh, some of the traits that Zach Harrison has, like I said, from that length and that strength and that size, is just a little bit more appealing than someone like Tyreek Smith. Um, so both of these, I think, are going to be guys that are going to be talked about as day two picks right now. But I think both of them, uh, Zach Harrison more for the traits, but Tyreek Smith is an undeniably great football player. I think he just gets in the backfield on command uh, at certain points throughout the game. And I think that there's something to be said about that, especially on the stages he's had to play. All right, let's get to the fun like part where Smith. we get to wrap up. You don't like Tyreek <laughs> Smith? Why not? He's in the backfield. I, all I don't the like Tyreek Smith, man. I don't like him. Alex, he chose he chose like? Ohio State over Notre Dame. I don't like Tyreek Smith. Oh, so you, okay. Oh, this is the personal. Other okay. <laughs> what they got Brendan Vernon, so they got him back for it. <laughs> all right, let's let's get to guessing the our top five, top threes here, rather as we usually do to wrap up each episode. So, Ryan, let's go to you first. You're guessing for Alex first. Uh, man, I have no idea what Alex is going to do here, to be honest. I know he's got Kayvon Thibodeau at number one, obviously, but I know Karloftis is uh, George Karloftis third from Purdue is going to be in that top three. I'm a little weary that Alex is not going to have him at number two. I think he might have him at three, but I'm still going to say Karloftis at two. 
And I'm going to go an off-the-wall one. I'm going to say that he likes Nick Benito from Oklahoma. I don't know why. It just seems like Alex's type. What? All right, Alex, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I struggled. I don't. I haven't looked at your uh, profiles that you've posted already uh, on Thibodeau versus Karloftis to see who you have graded higher. I, I meant to go cheat before <laughs> we recorded, and I forgot. Um, so, but I, I think Kayvon's got to be number one. Karloftis two. I know that's your one two for sure. Number three is puzzling because I think we talked before, and you said you don't really get it with Drake Jackson either, who's kind of the consensus three, two or three right now. Zion Tuapaloa Fatui. I, I think I said that wrong, but uh, I like him a little bit, but he's hurt, so I don't think you put him in your top three. Aiden Hutchinson, I know you don't like. Brenton Cox isn't quite good enough. Um, so who is it? I, I'm going to go Zach Harrison. I, you said you don't like Tyreek Smith, but you didn't say much about Zach Harrison. I think you're saving it. God, you guys are both you both suck you both got got the first two you got you both got the first two right obviously because no one else has anybody else besides Kayvon and George Karloftis at one and two but number three I I guess you could have gone in a number of directions Alex had the more difficult task in my eyes number three for Ryan was my Jay Sanders from Cincinnati that was probably going to be a little tough to guess but Ryan come on we're talking to a Georgia fan here, a man who always... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't put it that an, way. An, an, Don't put it that you way. You always give an edge to Georgia players, regardless of... That if is not true at all. And well, yeah, Adam Anderson was your number three. Yeah. Adam Anderson. Wait, 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 Ryan, wait, wait. very puzzled. Oh, Alex, didn't you have Adam Anderson as your four in our, in our pre-show? <laughs> Oh, he changed it. Oh, you're a cheater, you dude. Saw you're a cheater. Oh, no, you you saw him. I wasn't, wasn't looking at this sheet. I wasn't looking no, at this you sheet. You didn't listen to I me talk. You had him at four. I just talked. To, I literally just talked about Ohio State and Ohio Why State. I wasn't paying attention. You don't listen when you're not I talking, you. obviously, because I, I didn't. Hate, I oh, hate you. <laughs> I, I hate you, Maje Sanders. I look, yes, wait, 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 wait. Absolutely. Look, I don't want to go too off. I don't want to go. I don't want to oh. go too off tangent. I want to wrap up. We're, we're closing to getting close to 40 minutes, which means we'll probably Sorry. talk for another 15 to 20. Uh, I would like to just touch on before I wrap us up. I want to get your guys' thoughts on George Karloftis because we talked a little bit, a good chunk about Kayvon Thibodeau at the beginning because he's the headliner in the group. But George Karloftis out of Purdue is very, very talented. And I got a Mr. Alex Gilstrap over here. Those who are tuning on video, he's raising his hand. Alex, what are your thoughts on Karloftis? Yeah, Karloftis, I did not like. (laughs) I did not like. I watched his 2020 tape, and I did not see it. I was like, I know Ryan's a fan. I was like, I do not see it. So I was like, what's up with this? I read... I read up a little bit, realized it was an injury plague season. I think he, he had a couple injuries. I know he he got he tested positive for COVID. So I was like, okay. And then you look at the production numbers from his freshman season in 2019. I'm like, so this is this is probably when I'm going to get him at 100%. So I went back and I watched three games of 2019, and oh, that's when you saw it. Uh, this guy is a constant disruption in the backfield. He uses his hands. He's a heavy hand guy that knows how to use them, which is – uh, as a true freshman, when when I was watching that tape, that is super super impressive to to use his hands as well as he did. And I think my favorite thing is I saw a complete football player. I think this is someone that can rush as a four three defensive end. I think he can move inside and play more of like a five tech as a three four outs uh, three four defensive end. I, 
because he has that size and he has that play strength. He holds up well against the run. He he, he works laterally very well in the run game, especially when playing against uh, teams that run more of that outside zone concept. I really liked his play in that, uh, against that kind of offense and that kind of run game. But as a pass rusher too, this is someone that knows how to get upfield. And I think he has some decent explosiveness for someone his size. I don't think he's a well-renowned athlete. I don't think he's going to be the athlete, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is, or, you know, we talked about Adam Anderson a little bit. I don't think he's the athlete they are because they're much smaller, but Carl Loftus, for his size and for his play strength, has some has some juice to him as an athlete. You see that when he works in space laterally on uh, screen plays and on, on stretch plays out of the backfield and chasing down quarterbacks. You see he has a lot of juice to him. I mean, I think the one that stood out to me was when watching the Michigan game when he was able to run down Joe Milton, you know, who has some juice to him as a quarterback, and he was able to run him down from behind, which I thought was pretty impressive. So Carl Loftus is someone that simply checks. We talk, I, I talk about this all the time, checking boxes. How many boxes do you check? Um, and I think he does it all. And I think this is someone that if you were to put in the NFL today uh, would hold up very well because I think he's, he plays – he, as far as play strength goes, he's he's ready for the NFL, and I think he uses his hands so well that I think he he could walk into the NFL right now. There's not much projection needed uh, for him to be a successful NFL player. So, Karloftis for me is a guy that I actually had the opportunity to sit down with and talk to for a few minutes. And my so the background on him is he lived in Greece. For most of his childhood, he came and moved to West Lafayette, Indiana when he was in eighth grade. His dad actually went to the University of Purdue before this move. So he goes to West Lafayette and that's when he first played football. He didn't play football until he was in eighth grade. So then, you know, of course, he's big kid. He said at first he was just kind of like not super coordinated, but then he gets into high school and things just kind of, you know, blow up from there, obviously, from the recruiting side, from the playing career side. Also an outstanding track athlete. Uh, I think he was like a 56-plus-foot shot putter, 170 in the discus. So multi-sport athlete. Then he gets to Purdue, and he is a guy that told me, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't lift. Like, I didn't know how to lift weights. So he went from, you know, kind of a 260 big dude, but like not – I mean, because he was like a four-star, boarding on five-star type of recruit, but he wasn't like – completely filled out. He was like a 260, just solid, right? He gets here and now he is 275, 280, you know, playing on the, playing on the edge. And he was, a, he's a guy that is a weight room warrior. And I think Alex probably didn't like the 2020 as much as 2020, uh, 2019 is because 2019, they're playing a four man front. He's playing a traditional defensive end role. 2020, he told me they moved to a three, four alignment. So he's playing a lot more, you know, three down, in the system, which obviously, you know, he can do to a degree, but like you're limiting the, the, the explosiveness right. that he has as a football player. And he has outstanding strength. He has length. He checks all those boxes. But I think the thing that really takes you off guard is closing speed, I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good overall athlete. And I think that he can close the gap incredibly quickly for 275, 280 pounds. I think he's going to test well. I think he was a verified 475 coming out of high school at 260, 265 pounds. So I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a weight room warrior. And you saw in 2019 what type of pass rusher he is. He's the best pass rusher Purdue's had easily since Ryan Kerrigan 10 years ago, whenever that was. So I'm all in on George Karloftis, first-round pick. He's a more big-body edge comparative to a lot of these guys who are kind of lightly built outside track rushers. Karloftis brings – 
some ability to win outside, but also the power to win in a multitude of ways. You know, I, I'm sorry, but you talked about Ryan Kerrigan. I thought that was funny because when watching him, I was like, this is someone that puts up numbers, but isn't really sexy in any yeah. in any way. And I think that's a, that has a lot of similarity to Ryan Kerrigan mm-hmm. in his career. I think they're different in the way they win, but I think similarly as far as put up good numbers, have the sacks year in and year out. I think this is kind of the NFL career that you can project for this guy, someone that, that's going to put up numbers, but you'll, you'll, you'll be surprised when you, you, you look eight, ten years down the road and this guy's got 85 sacks, 90 sacks, and you're like, whoa, I mean, this guy's been that good? I mean, he's at the top of the all-time, you know. So <laughs> I think it's very similar as far as that goes. Both uh, Purdue Boilermakers, so interesting uh, uh, comp there. Folks, thanks for tuning in for today's episode. At Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at Alex Gillstrap. Head to riseanddraft.com for fantastic NFL draft coverage. Also head to believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other shows. Hit the subscribe button if you're tuning in on YouTube or on uh, wherever you're listening to the audio version. Make sure you do that as well. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.